Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 326 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Marie. Marie lives in Southwest Florida, where she works from home, and today is her three-year fastiversary. That's what we call an anniversary in the fasting world, a fastiversary. So welcome, Marie. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, this is a great day to be talking to you because, you know, I think one of the most important things I want to communicate by doing this podcast is that intermittent fasting is a lifestyle. It's not a crash diet. It's not something we start and stop. It's something that we do. So I love talking to people who have been living the lifestyle for years, and we can learn a lot about how to turn intermittent fasting into a lifestyle by talking to people who have done it. 
Yes, it's been quite a journey for me, and I'm excited to share my story. And, you know, I really appreciate all of the stories I've been able to listen to and learn from. I want to make sure that everyone knows that their story does matter, even if they think I've heard it before or somebody else has similar. There's always some nugget of good info to get. So I hope that somebody can use something that I say. Or tell. Well, it's true. And I'm a trained teacher. And one way we learn is repetition, right? And so hearing, you know, one person say something like, if I just told you, or I wrote it in fast feast repeat, that would be fine. But when you hear 10 people say it on intermittent fasting stories, you know, the more people who have shared experiences, the more valuable their experiences become. That's how we, we learn from that. So anyway, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting? And when was that? You know, I've given this a lot of thought. I guess I differ a little bit than I think a majority of guests that talk about dieting, you know, going on and off diets. I am a more of a, I guess, skeptical kind of a person. So if I right away look at something and say, that is not going to work, or that's just a bunch of hooey, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to spend money on it. I'm not going to invest a lot of time in it. So oh, I envy that because I was always the optimist. I'm like, what? This mysterious power from the Amazon is going to make me lose 20 pounds in a week? Sign me up because all these people said it would. That's <laughs> that is definitely not me. <laughs> I like TV infomercials too. I'm like, I need this product that will do what anyway. So I guess <laughs> the optimist, like I said. So, you know, I get the skepticism. It would have saved me a lot of time. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So I, you know, I had pretty much, I say I had a normal childhood growing up. It was not normal. I think, I'm not sure if you recall, but we've talked before. My mother was a dance teacher and she taught lessons in our home. So in my growing up years, we always had, um, you know, I class every afternoon after school and there was, you know, a quick dinner, that kind of thing, like always a lot of activity, always a lot of I always danced growing up, you know, three or four, maybe five days a week. So that sounds like me. Exactly. Yep. Yep. We had tap some days and jazz and ballet. And every Saturday we had morning ballet and rehearsals all day. (laughs) (laughs) It was like all day. I grew up. Yeah. My first 20, 25 years, that's what I did. That was my life. So, you know, food or gaining weight or having weight issues, not, I probably went through some teenage years where I was like, oh, this doesn't look quite right or, or whatnot. But really the biggest thing that I can remember from that time period is, and I'm not sure if other people have gone through this, but I was normal weight, but a little heavy chested. And especially in the dance world, that was always a little difficult for me. I was always a little embarrassed. I always wanted to try and maybe cover up a little bit more. And I did focus a lot more on ballet. So having that, I didn't really have that ballet body that some girls have or some dancers have, I should say. No. So I didn't um, have the legs for it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm short too. So I just didn't really have that look. I was not fat. I was not even athletic, really. I was pretty skinny. But I was always a little self-conscious about being a little heavy chested in that world. So from right about, I would say 18, 20, 25, I knew that for me, what I thought would be right for me was to have a breast reduction. So I explored that a little bit. I was still normal weight when I explored that in my 20s, but I decided to wait until after I had kids. That's what some of the doctors that I had spoken with recommended. It was probably, you know, based on their what the quote unquote 
what was comfortable for me and my weight. The, you know, a breast reduction was probably fine. It wasn't really necessary, but anyway. So I kind of put that aside and then I got married. I had three children in two years. I have twins. Oh, um, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did gain a little bit of weight in my late 20s when I stopped dancing, when I stopped being so active. I had a more sedentary job, you know, a little bit different crazy work schedule. So I wasn't eating healthy. I wasn't living healthy. I wasn't working out. So I did have that weight gain probably maybe, you know, just started out of my normal range, about 10, 15 pounds. And again, it didn't look awful, but it was, I'm five, four. So, you know, every few pounds kind of started to show. So by the time I had my first child, I actually looked at this. I looked at when I started fasting, I looked at my history of what I weighed. That's, I, yeah, it's interesting to think about that. I do the same. I reflect on it. So what was your weight when you had your first child? When I first went to my first doctor's appointment. Oh, by the way, I never weighed myself. I never had a scale. I never really cared that much. I just went by the way my clothes fit or I was never concerned about my weight. I actually never started weighing myself religiously or daily until I started fasting. So I had to look at my old medical records, which were still on paper. I looked and I weighed 140 pounds when I became pregnant with my daughter. I gained a lot of weight. I think I got up to 180 pounds, maybe 190 pounds when I finally had her. So that sounds like my first pregnancy too. You gained 40 pounds. I gained 40 pounds with my first, but I started off, I had been dieting. It was... (laughs) It was funny. I remember standing in the bus line for bus duty and we had an assistant principal that was a friend of mine. His name was Hammond. He was a lot of fun. And we're standing there and it was 1997. So I'm standing there and I'm like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, oh, you just lost all that weight just to gain it back. And I'm like, what? (laughs) He was a friend. He could talk to me like that because I had just been dieting, but I had gotten down to 123. (laughs) which was low, you know, a nice low weight for me. And then bam, I gained 40 pounds as well. But yeah, it's funny how those memories stick out. Yes. And actually I'm thinking about this. We were married for four years before I got pregnant. There was a time period where my husband was away for work and, and, you know, I was eating salad and grilled chicken every night. And so I did kind of slim down a little bit and I didn't really do it purposely to lose weight. There was a pair of jeans I wanted to fit in. And so I thought, oh, and he's a little bit of an enabler with- I get it. Like, let's go <laughs> out. Him, let's have food. <laughs> exactly. He's a little bit like, you know, go big or go home kind of guy. So, but anyway, so I gained quite a bit of weight with my daughter. And before I could really even think about losing, I lost the initial baby, you know, after you have a baby weight a little bit there. But before I knew it, I was pregnant again. And I did not know I was having twins until I was six months pregnant. Oh, wow. What twins. a surprise. Uh, I guess they found it at like an ultrasound. They found it at a second ultrasound. Okay. Yes. So oh, they didn't even find it at the first one. It was like one of them hiding behind the other one. Yes. One was hiding. <laughs> <laughs> surprise. <laughs> it was probably better that way because I was not really ready to be pregnant 10 months after I had my daughter, but it was fine. It all worked out great. And of course, and we were very happy and we're very blessed with three beautiful children. So I got pregnant, you know, within the next year and then I had twins and that was pretty crazy and busy. Oh, I can't even imagine. Your kids are are what, 19 months apart? They are 19 months apart. Yep. 
okay, I don't know how you did it because mine are 18 months apart, but I just had one after (laughs) one and then one, one and then two. I can't even imagine because it's really hard having a toddler and then a baby. I can't imagine having a toddler and two babies. You cannot take care of yourself. (laughs) No. And that's the thing. My husband's wonderful and he's always, you know, right there with me. We are partners in crime, I guess you could say, but we're partners with all of this. And even my daughter, when she was 19 months and as she grew up, as soon as she was out of diapers, she was bringing me the diapers. She was always a big helper and and we had a lot of help with family. So that was awesome. And I just tried to stay organized. But more to your point is that I let myself kind of go. I stopped putting myself first. I stopped thinking about what maybe I needed to do to take care of myself you know, I was just that mom that was doing everything for her kids and putting my needs or maybe just my health needs. You know, I'm not even talking about my needs as an individual. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't even have time to think about it. I mean, you're like in the trenches, like trying to just like keep all these tiny humans alive. Yes. And it was just in, in go mode. Yes. So that's how we lived our life. It was just as they grew up, we did lots of activities, scouts and school activities and sports and music lessons. And, you know, it was just constant go, go, go. And we both work full time. So we did that until pretty much COVID hit. <laughs> and then everything came to a crashing stop. I bet that was a shock. Y'all are all suddenly at home. How old are the kids at this point when COVID hit? So my daughter, I think she was 16 turning 17. She was in her junior year of high school. And the twins were freshmen in high school. So 14 Wow, that is a hard time to suddenly be at home. Yeah, you know, she was driving, so she was kind of driving herself places, but we were still driving the twins pretty much everywhere. That takes a lot of our time. We're driving, we're dropping off, we're picking up, that kind of thing. So comes to a crashing halt. We took the time to teach our twins how to drive during COVID. The streets were bare and empty. Oh, yeah. That was a nice uh, time for them to learn how to drive. But during this time period, so I'll get back to, so I had gained quite a bit of weight. I was probably around 200 pounds. I didn't weigh at that time. So I don't know for sure until I actually started fasting. I got on the scale that day to see where my starting point was. And I knew from doctor's appointments, you know, pretty much where I was at. So I kind of had an idea. I was between I thought 180 and 190, but no, I was, I was not. I started at 197. (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of a big numbers person now. So it shocks me that I never really paid attention. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories 
promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's buyoptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Well, sometimes you just don't want to know. It's that whole ignorance is bliss. You're like, if I don't look at the number or know the number, I don't have to face that the number is really big. That's exactly what it was. I just bought clothes that I thought looked nice and that fit. And for me, it was a little difficult. Sometimes I had to wear suits or real professional type business wear. And, you know, I always kind of struggled with that. I always wanted to look very nice and professional and classic looking, but it was hard to do that sometimes. Yep. I wore a lot of stretchy things. And of course, that's one reason why I was able to gain weight because of my clothes were stretchy and I didn't even notice some of the time, but a lot of empire waist things, you know, like foot smalls part was right, you know, under around my rib cage, I guess. So I would have a lot of flowy things. And it's funny after I lost the weight, whenever I would go shopping with Chad and, you know, my smaller body, he would pull out clothes and be like, what about this? This looks like you. I'm like, no, that looks like 200 pound gin. I don't wear that clothes like that anymore. You know, I don't have to hide my body. But it was all those years spent, you know, hiding my shape. I mean, when you look back, it wasn't really hiding anything, but we did the best we could. Right. And if you remember, I was saying before, I was, you know, always a little self-conscious of my larger breasts, my chest. And so I was usually trying to cover that up as well and still look like I had a shape of some sort, which was difficult you know, COVID hit. And I knew for a long time, I was like, well, maybe if I start walking and I'm not a big exerciser, I don't like to exercise. I don't know what it is. I grew up like yourself, dancing and moving and doing things. And I just am not a big exercise. You know, maybe because it's so boring. I don't know. I mean, it just, we danced, we moved our body, we had fun. We were, you know, standing at the bar, you're doing, you know, whatever you're doing at the bar, your plies, you're stretching. I don't know. But the music is playing and everybody's doing it. But somehow other exercise just seems so boring. I don't know what it is. You're learning a routine in the dance class. I also have not been good. You know, you would think with a dance background, you'd be great at things like Zumba. But it moves so quickly from I'm like, what is happening? I can't do this. <laughs> I yes. <need> <laughs> when I, I'm planning on going back to dancing to maybe doing a ballet bar soon. I'm thinking about that. I'm getting to it. At some point, I will be doing that. I think that's probably stretching, yoga, ballet bar. That's more my style. I did take an adult tap class with some friends in Augusta one time. That was a lot of fun. Oh, that does sound like fun. I did not do tap. My mother was very focused. She was a wonderful tap dancer, but she is. I'm sure she could probably still do it, but I. it's not something I ever picked up. I was best at tap. I mean, I have a tap body, not a ballet body. Anyway, so it's all about finding what is fun and what we enjoy. 
So, you know, COVID hit and I was, the, you know, I always was like, oh, I really need to do something. I need to eat a little differently. And I would try, you know, maybe just eating, trying to eat better foods. And I was not even close to eating the way I should be eating all those years I spent while the kids were young. You know, it was fast food. It was just chicken nuggets out of the freezer, convenient eating. So I really didn't know a lot about all of that. So COVID hits, it's May, as a matter of fact, May 16th, 2020, which is awesome. Which three is years today, today. Three years ago, yep. <laughs> I looked back at my text messages. I have a very close friend who we don't live in the same town, but we text a lot and we talk a lot and she's very dear to me. And she just kind of threw out there, Hey, you know, I've been doing this thing. It's, I eat whatever I want in five hours a day. And I was like, Oh, now I would probably not have accepted this from somebody else, but I trust this friend of mine. And she's definitely one of the smartest people I know. And she's very similar to me. Like, you know, she's logical, skeptical, you know, she's not going to like buy into maybe some crazy scheme or crazy get rich quick type thing, you know, like lose weight fast type thing. So I really trusted her and I was like, oh, okay, well, just tell me a little bit about it. And so she's, you know, she recommended, I don't remember fully how she knew about you or delay don't deny. And at the time, Fast Feast Repeat was not out Yeah, because that didn't come out till June. Yeah. You were one month away from, yes. from Fast Feast Repeat hitting the market. <laughs> so that was May 13th. She put it out there. I said, okay. So I said, well, I'm going to get the book. I mean, it was during COVID. We were not doing anything. And I think the weekend was coming up. So I got the book on Audible right away and I listened to it. And I started as soon as I was done, you know, by the time I got it, as soon as I was done, I was like, that's it. I'm going to do this. It made so much sense. I just was like, I'm doing it. I got the apps. I do the zero app and I use Happy Scale, which I love. Yeah, I love Happy Scale. I don't use it. I love recommending it. Let me just put it because <laughs> I don't weigh, but it's a great, great app. I don't weigh every day now, but I do weigh at least maybe twice a week now. So I can put the number in and just see where I'm at. See what your trend is doing. Yeah. I've changed um, a lot about how I approach, you know, when I first started, I think I was like everybody else. I ate whatever I wanted, but during the window, I was pretty much a black coffee drinker since I was 15. <laughs> so yes, there were times when I had cream, but I didn't grow up drinking milk. I didn't really grow up liking milk or cream or so, you know, I would have it. And then of course I did get into the Starbucks thing where I'm having my lattes or cappuccinos and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's all sugar. So it is I like, you know, I call it a hot milkshake. That's totally what it is. And I really would like for somebody to do a you know how they make association graphs where they're graphing like the association between two things? I'd like to see the rise of Starbucks and the rise of obesity because I really think the switch to sweetened coffee drinks has made more of a difference than many people want to even acknowledge because I never drank coffee until I was in my 30s at all. I didn't drink it at all. I was drinking diet sodas, but not coffee. But yeah, I remember the first time I went to Starbucks was in, it was after 9-11. I was in New York with my stepmother and we went to the Starbucks near Rockefeller Plaza. We went to that Starbucks and I didn't even drink coffee. I ordered something that wasn't even coffee because I didn't drink coffee. But after that, then I was all in, started drinking the coffee. And that is when my weight really started going up. Well, not just the coffee, but for me too, I noticed, and I was thinking about this in preparation for the podcast today, 
when I moved out of my parents' house and I got a job and I got my own place and I was able to buy whatever I wanted or go out to dinner or go to fancy places or buy the fancy coffees, you know, as I was able to do all of that, that's when I started to just, oh, I can afford to have this great huge dinner or I could go fast food or I could grab this, you know, where I was working and, you know, all of that convenience type food or sugar, or, you know, specialty coffee drinks, all of that, it adds up. It really it's, does. Yeah, the so. freedom to have whatever you want at any yes. time as an adult, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's what happened to me when I went to college. But so when you first started, you just ate whatever you wanted, but in your window. So you didn't change what you were eating. You just. I did not change what I was eating. Correct. I stuck in the window. I'm a big rule follower. If you tell me to do this is what needs to be done, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going. And so I took your book. It was my, you know, fasting Bible, quote unquote. And I said, okay, this is, and it was really simple to me. It was like, oh, there's like three rules. Okay. I can handle that. Yeah. You know, I live in this really rule-based is so world. Simple. Yeah. yeah. So simple. And I was like, I can definitely do that. I should add that I have never been a breakfast eater. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't eat breakfast or I didn't, you know, for 20 years with my kids or the 15 years, make them breakfast and be snacking and picking. And and I found out through fasting that that was a huge part of my problem was the picking and the eating as I was making. So that's what the window for sure helped me with not not to do because it wasn't my time to eat. No decisions to make. Your window's closed, right? (laughs) It was perfect. It was really fit and perfect. How I started to do this during COVID, I don't know, with three teenagers at home, (laughs) you know, everyone's constantly in the kitchen. Somebody's in the pantry. Somebody's doing something. But I decided that if I don't do it now, if I can't do this while I'm stuck at home for the next few months, then when else will I do it? So I thought it would be a great time to start a new habit. And so that's what I did. And it was eye-opening, you know, so then of course I read the next book that came out and that it gave a lot more information and how you explain things a little bit differently in Fast Feast Repeat. I did read a BCD code and that was very helpful. Once I got into it, it was probably a year into it. I read the obesity code. I thought that I needed to start focusing a little bit more on my sugar and the insulin and that kind of, I, I was interested to know what the effects of sugar were having on not just me, but others and my people that I know and who are having health issues that, and now my kids say, oh, I'm famous for saying, oh, that's all sugar. It's all sugar. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is. It's all sugar. Well, it is. And, you know, I, I eat, you know, quote, whatever I want, right? But what I want has changed. And, you know, I used to eat a lot more ice cream, for example, but mm-hmm. I don't like the way too much sugar makes me feel. So I can eat whatever I want, but I don't want to feel like that. So I don't do it. So it's figuring all that out. And pretty early on, I would say about six months into it, I was drinking wine maybe four times a week in the evening. I was drinking a lot of red wine. I didn't realize, but I really didn't feel good from drinking it. I was just one or two glasses a night, maybe two, maybe one and a half. But it wasn't until after I started not drinking it that I realized, oh, no, (laughs) I don't like, I don't even think I, it's not for me. And so now three years later, and I never, never thought this was going to be me, but three years later, I, I'm really, since this January, actually, I'm decided to do a dry January. And then I just kept, so now, right now I'm dry. 
you're just dry. I'm sober curious, I guess they're calling it. Yeah, I get it. And I, I am the same way about realizing I don't feel my best when I drink wine. You know, I've had months where I had, where I was completely dry and I get periods of time where I, I don't have any. My big thing is when friends are around, friends are around and they're like, let's go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I have just as much fun with zero. That's the part that's ironic. I am fine being the designated driver and having zero. Mm-hmm. And I am too. And um, I did used to enjoy gin and tonic too, or as well. I'm not a vodka drinker, but I do like gin. But I realized after going, starting doing the dry January, just because I wanted to see if I could do it and how I would feel and I felt fine. So I've been doing mocktails. So they have the ritual gin or the ritual of my husband just for Mother's Day made a mocktail margarita. It was really good. I don't love margaritas, but it was something different to try. It's the ceremony of having something in a beautiful glass, like having kombucha in a wine glass. That's the pleasure right there is the fun glass and having something special. It's not as much of what's in it, but you're right. Like the other day I had a Heineken 0.0. It was a you know beautiful beachy day and we had a Heineken 0. It's alcohol free in the back of the fridge and I pulled it out and I had it. And what's so interesting is when it's zero alcohol, you don't want to have like two or three or four. <laughs> One is enough. <laughs> yes. The alcohol yes, spurs exactly you to have right. more. Yeah. That's exactly right. So you're feeling great. I am. And, you know, I think I've influenced others in my life that are people. One of my sisters fasts and she looks fantastic. And she's, we kind of think alike on things. So she's also not going to do any crazy, like I said, uh, lose weight fast schemes. So she does it too. And she, her lifestyle is a little different. She's um, a nanny, a night nanny. So she, her schedule is kind of screwy with how she sleeps. So fasting has worked really well for her and she's fitted into her lifestyle. What's a night nanny? That's interesting. So she has to stay awake all night. Why, why is she? I'm just interested. Yes. She cares for the newborns, like little, little, like just home from the hospital newborns. And she helps the moms at night. Okay. So she goes like from family to family. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to understand it. I was like, wait a minute. I don't understand. Cause I think of nannies as being more long-term. All right. So she goes and helps with newborns. Newborn night nanny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. She oh, wow. Well, I needed a night sweet. nanny. <laughs> I didn't know those existed. <laughs> Tell me about it. I know. <laughs> wow. With <laughs> you with your good. three, I can't. And my children were not sleepers. Let me just tell you. They're like, I need to see you every two hours, mama. (laughs) Those years, honestly, they were a blur. So, uh, you know, fast forward through my COVID time and I started fasting and I lost, I didn't lose weight super quick. But, you know, when I look back at my stats, I did keep measurements. I did keep stats on myself. You know, even though I'm like a rule follower, you told me to do it. So I did it. But normally I would not do that. I'm not a record keeper when it comes to that. It makes such a difference because especially with body recomposition and like all the time in the community, somebody will come in and they'll make a post and they're like, I thought you were making that up or that wasn't true, but I've been amazed (laughs) because they'll have like a pair of pants that they used to wear, like old pants that they save. Not, we're not just talking about, you know, new sizes, vanity sizing, but a pair of pants that used to fit them. And they remember, like I have a pair of jeans that fit me when I weighed a hundred and, you know, whatever it was, 30 pounds. And 
I don't know how they fit me. But then when I got down to that weight with fasting, they fit me differently. Like they were too big at the same weight because we lose fat and maintain our muscle mass. So body recomposition is a real thing. So the measurements are so important. I hear you talk a lot about, you know, the old gap pair of shorts that yeah. you used to have in the night. I wish I would have kept some of my clothes. My husband, we moved a few times and he used to make me get rid of stuff. And so I wish I had kept some of my older clothing items. I have very little from when I, you know, from different sizes, you know, from before my kids were born, I have very little clothing from that time period. And I wish I had saved a couple of pieces, you know, and now of course they're, it's vintage and it's all back in style. <laughs> well, these, these gap shorts that I've got will never be back in style. <laughs> or if the people are wearing them, they need, do not girls do not wear those big old puffy pay shorts pleated. Oh my God. They were not flattering. We did not look good. Back in the early nineties, we did not look good. <laughs> and I see some of the clothes at the stores and it gives me I'm like PTSD. I'm like, oh gosh, I would never want to wear that again. Why I'm never wearing pleated <laughs> khaki wide leg shorts. And I'm also my skin tone does not look good with khaki at all. Like my legs looked so bad and I looked terrible, but I was like, I'm wearing my size eight khaki shorts from the gap. Oh my Lord. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, I did lose probably, I would say like point just under a pound a week. Okay. That's pretty that's quickly. good. But immediately I could tell my face, I lost the inflammation in my face. I was very puffy. And I think when I kind of cut down on the red wine and I cut down, you know, when I was started my fasting and I was you know, slowly I started to eat healthier. I didn't do keto per se, but you know, I've started buying avocados and having an avocado with my eggs and maybe one piece of toast instead of two, doing that kind of thing. So immediately I could tell the inflammation just huge difference. And remember we're we're in COVID and prior to working from home, I was in an office setting. So I probably went a year without seeing anyone. So when I went back to the office, it was quite a shock for some people. I guess. So how much did you lose over that year? Was it 40 something pounds by that point? So my first goal, I was 197. My first goal, and I thought, I am never going to get to this, but I'll put it in there because it was just under, it was what I, I think I put in 137 as my first goal because that was right around what I was before I became pregnant with my first child. And I thought, well, let's just see. <laughs> and I did it. And I was, I couldn't believe it. And then I put in at that point. And how long did it take you to get to 137? I think I was probably just over a year. Okay. That's really good. That That's a great rate of loss. That's 60 pounds. And I can really tell on my app that I have times where I did jump you know, where I, I was in the red and I know exactly what those times were. Red, when we're, we're talking about Happy Scale, anybody who's ever used it, and if you haven't, it is such a good app. The developer, Russ Shanahan, that's his, his job. He like devotes his time to keeping that app going. He's very responsive. He'll email if you have problems or questions, he'll, he'll email with you. But the graph on Happy Scale, what's so great about it is you put your weights in or if it syncs with your scale, I'm not sure, but depending on your scale. But It'll show green on the graph if your trend is down, and it shows red if your trend is up. So sometimes people can't see what's happening because weight fluctuates so much. But Happy Scale mathematically knows what your trend is doing. And so you might think nothing's happening, but if your graph is green, you are losing weight. But if it's red, you are gaining weight. So you had some periods of red along the way. I did. And I know what they were. You know, one was our annual beach vacation. And another one was sometimes when I was 
taking medication or, you know, so I know exactly, you know, what those periods were. So, which is nice for me to understand and not freak out. Oh, what happened or what's going on? I'm gaining weight. Fasting has stopped working yeah. right now. Fasting has not stopped working. There's always a cause and effect. <laughs> well, when I got to that point, I said, I think I'm ready for my breast reduction. I've been at a weight where I think I'm comfortable because I had visited many, many doctors who ran the gamut of some were just like, yeah, sure, let's do it today. Meanwhile, I weigh 200 pounds and it's not really why would you do that if, you know, so for some people, maybe it makes sense for some, it doesn't. But for me, I was like, no, that doesn't make sense to spend that money if it's not where I'm happy. So I did end up having my breast reduction and maintaining afterwards. It's been a year and a half now, and I'm really happy with that. For me personally, in my heart, that's something I've always wanted to feel comfortable in my body. I, it's not for everybody, but for me, that's where I landed. And that was not my only goal with fasting. I wanted to be healthier. I, I knew that 50 was approaching. I'm 50 years old this year. And I wanted the second part of my life when my kids go off to college and start their own families after and their own careers and, and they're going on with their life. I still want to do a lot of things. I want to travel. I want to be comfortable. And I was not healthy. I was just, you know, I had plantar fasciitis and I was had a hard time getting up out of bed in the morning and I was having that afternoon slump all of the time. So there were so many things that once I started fasting, I don't want to say they disappeared, but they really disappeared. <laughs> they really- no, I get it because we don't even realize how bad we feel and what we can and can't do. Like I'm sitting here in my chair and I'm cross-legged and I have short legs. So I often can't, like I, my feet don't reach the ground. <laughs> lot of chairs. So I have to, I have like a little step stool under my desk. But right now I'm sitting cross-legged. I couldn't sit cross-legged when I weighed 210 pounds. I couldn't get up and down from the floor. That was hard. I couldn't paint my toenails. I couldn't. Yes. All of those things. And I'm still working on the getting off the floor. (laughs) My belly was in the way. Yeah. And when you feel good in your body, and I can understand the breast reduction because again, you know, I remember when my belly was in my way when I was obese, but your breasts were always in your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I just, for me, I'm a little bit of an introvert. So it just was always one of those things. And, and living in Florida, you know, it's, I just never felt comfortable in a bathing suit. I never felt comfortable just wearing summer type clothes, which is most of the time here. So I grew up in the Northeast. So for me, it was like, I want to be comfortable. I want to be able to not worry about the top that I'm wearing. Right. Just one of those things. It actually, it worked out wonderfully. And I went right back you know, during that time. I had to eat a little differently right before surgery because my iron was real low. So I was eating a little bit differently than I normally would, just trying to get more of that iron nutrients in different ways. I was taking some supplements and Then after surgery, I had a wonderful recovery. I had no issues. And maybe it's just, I'm lucky, but I feel like a lot of it had to do with fasting. I didn't fast immediately, but. I think I've heard that from a lot of people post-surgery that fasting has helped them recover. Like they'll go back to their follow-up appointments and their surgeon is like amazed at their progress. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that was wonderful. So it's been about a year and a half and lately, so I am in, I think I'm in maintenance. (laughs) I've lost 10 pounds since that time, about 10 pounds. You know, I don't, it's not, it fluctuates. So 
That was my first goal was 137. So you're around like 127-ish around there? Yeah, I go between 125 and 130. Okay, that's a great range. Yeah, it seems to be about right. In high school, I was probably a little bit slimmer. I'm definitely slimmer than I was the day I got married. Definitely, 100%. So I haven't put the wedding dress on yet, but I may. You should totally do it. You should totally put on the wedding dress because that really showed me how much my body had changed. When I got married, I was probably, I don't know, 135 to 140. I can't remember. I wasn't as weight obsessed yet, the scale numbers yet at that point because I was 21. But my wedding dress is way too big for me now. Yeah. So So that that would be fun. You should totally do it. Take pictures. It might be. Yeah, I might do that. But I have, over time, I have definitely changed. Now I have changed what I eat. And that happened naturally? I think it did happen naturally. And the more I I started learning and reading, and I have a lot more to go. A personal goal of mine is to spend a little bit more time doing some more research and reading some of the awesome books that you have recommended and have talked about on the other, about food and about I need to get Atomic Habits. I think that's the book, right? It is. It's a great book. Yeah, I'd like to do a little bit more of self-study, I guess you could say. But yes, over time, I did start to eat a lot healthier. And I have the luxury now working from home where I can make a healthy meal and have some more fresh choices, I guess you could say. When I was in the office, you know, I would try and make better choices during the last few years of fasting when I would go out to lunch, which wasn't often. But the breakfast thing, that was very natural for me. I, I never, I remember looking back as a child, we never had a big breakfast really. As a teenager in college, I was not a breakfast eater. So I guess I was naturally fasting. <laughs> yeah. You did, your body just wasn't ready for food early in the morning. <laughs> right. Right. I think the only time I really was eating breakfast was then when I was with my kids, you know, and it was like, oh, well, we have to have breakfast. So I've changed a lot about kind of being that mom that's like, well, you have to eat. I've tried to start shying away from that. And now I'm that mom that's a little bit more like, I don't want to say judgy, but a little bit more. I try to have better choices in the pantry. I still buy the kids, you know, the goldfish or whatever, but I'm not going to eat that. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, like there's some things I would not buy. Then, yeah, the more I learned about people, like I would not buy ramen noodles. <laughs> like Will <laughs> loved them. I don't know why he wanted to eat ramen noodles, the, the cheap ones. And like I'm like, those are made out of like wax and chemicals. I don't even know. <laughs> so he would like buy them when he was off on his own. But now he's not doing that anymore. He's eating healthier. He's cooking for himself. But yeah. I definitely have to pick my battles. But my husband is dabbling, I guess. He did it for a little bit and then he got away from it. So I try and be encouraging and I'm like the fasting queen in my house. So they're all like, you know, ever some of us don't need to do that. And But my husband, he is doing it now and he's enjoying it. So I think he's realizing some of the benefits that maybe the first time around, maybe he wasn't seeing as much. And I'm happy for that as well. Yeah, I know it feels good to see him trying that. So what are some of the benefits that you've seen your non-scale victories? I know you mentioned your plantar fasciitis is gone. Anything else specifically that you didn't mention? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of the ones that I think other people have mentioned too. I had, not a lot, but I had a few skin tags. And then I had, that came off, you know, throughout the last few years. And then I had things that I was like, was that a skin tag? I guess it was, or a mole or something, because I had... Like I had one up here on my chest, just underneath my neck area. And I thought it was 
like a mole that was just, or a freckle that was just there to stay forever. That went away. It came off. And I thought it was like a flat kind of a mole. So I've had a few of those that have just little by little come away. And I guess I was releasing some of that. The other day I was writing down some non-scale victories and I, I was talking to my daughter and I said, let me look at your elbows. Everyone's talking about glassy elbows. (laughs) (laughs) She felt my elbows and she was like, amazed. She couldn't believe it. She said, Oh my goodness. That's just a crazy one. I it's true. So soft. So I have soft elbows now. Who knew that that was going to be so amazing. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cashback events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. I notice my skin is definitely better and brighter. My hair, a huge difference in my hair. And I'm not sure if it's because I'm really gray, even though I don't look at, I am great <laughs> where it comes in a little bit thicker, but my hair is so much healthier. My nails are healthier. Yeah. So, and I'm just very much more in tune overall with, you know, there are days, there are days where if I have a special day and I go out to the other day, I had brunch with a girlfriend and we started off with cappuccinos and some European pastries. I had a high sugar type of breakfast. I guess that day I did have breakfast, but it wasn't really satisfying. And so I had a tiny salad late, like at lunchtime. And then I just, something came up and I didn't eat. And at 11 o'clock, I was hungry and I could tell that I needed to eat. And that feeling alone is something that I don't remember ever having in my life. So now I actually do know And that has happened about 10 times in three years where I'm like, I need to eat. And I know what that feeling is. And just that clarity. Isn't that cool to be able to feel it? So cool. To really be able to discern what hunger is. You needed to eat and your body told you. You know, I feel like if you had that different kind of hunger, it's probably best to listen. Probably we sleep through that feeling. Yeah, that's why evening eating window works so well for so many of us because by the time we're finished digesting our last meal and we're asleep and then you wake up in the morning and you're like deep enough into the fast that you're fine. Right. And I didn't mention, but I do ADF and I do and modified ADF 
I never thought I was going to be the person to do ADF. And I don't, don't do it long term. I just kind of use it as a tool. I did it, you know, here and there. I do enjoy, actually, I do have one down day, usually a week, either Monday or Friday. I just like to throw it in there because I love the way I feel after a down day. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not something to be afraid of. No, it's not. And I thought that was, I was, when I first heard of it, I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. (laughs) But I did it and I actually like it. So is there anything that you struggle with in maintenance in general? Yes, I think I struggle with when I open my window, I've learned that I need to go a little slower and I need to be careful with what I open with because I will get very tired after eating. And I like to open around one or two in the afternoon and I very rarely will eat past five o'clock, if at all, maybe on a big up day, you know, if I've had that big down day then I will extend my window. I do struggle with that and I really need to be more mindful of what I'm opening with and not just kind of having this huge meal first where I just am kind of doing a little bit, waiting. And because I work at home, you know, I'm self-monitoring what my day looks like. Nothing else is really directing me as far as, oh, my commute or what time lunch is for everybody or We don't really eat dinner that much as a family, maybe once a while on the weekends because the kids all go in different directions. So the freedom that you have is both a, it's a positive and a negative sometimes, the freedom that you have to design your day because you could literally do whatever you want. So yes, exactly. Yeah, I get it. I really loved not having that afternoon slump. So I'm not sure if now I'm to the point where I'm, I don't know if you call it fat adapted, but I would say you're definitely fat adapted. Yeah. So I think that that I just need to be a little bit more careful with what I open with. So I'm experimenting and I've actually think I need to start journaling about what I ate and how it affected me. And not because I feel like I need to keep track of what I'm eating, but also because I feel like that will help me learn what is working for me and what isn't. And I, you know, I can't remember from day to day, oh, this one thing I had affected me this way. I think that journaling might help that. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. And, you know, I just realized recently, and it was only after I, I, I talked about this on an episode that hadn't come out yet. So listeners will have heard me say this if they listen to all of them. But I I just found out that eggs make me super sleepy. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, they make me so sleepy. And I just all of a sudden figured that out. It was only because of my whole food plant-based experiment and not having eggs then reintroducing eggs. Eggs make me so tired. Wow, that is really interesting. You know, you wouldn't think normally that, I I mean, I never would have thought of that. I do have eggs occasionally. Sometimes when I eat eggs, they give me a stomach ache. I have to be really careful with how I cook them and how I, what I have them with. So that's really interesting. Well, I'm just talking to my mother and she's like, can't eat eggs at all. I'm like, I wonder if I have a little intolerance because she used to always eat eggs and she was a terrible cook with eggs, though. She made the worst scrambled eggs. So I thought I didn't like scrambled eggs for a long time. She, like, cooked the heck out of them, if you know what I mean. They were, like, foamy and, ugh. anyway, spongy. But she no longer eats eggs at all. She was telling me about that. I'm like, huh, there might be something, you know, genetically. Maybe eggs don't suit me. I don't know. I love them, though, so I don't want to have that be true. I would like to try Zoe sometimes. I'm not there yet, but I I might try that and see, but maybe journaling first. But that's really interesting. I'll keep that in mind. Well, Zoe isn't going to tell you that specifically about like, well, I mean, it'll tell you things that might not be good for your gut based on what lives in your gut. But eggs don't score badly for me. 
But this is where figuring out what how you feel is so important. Meat also makes me sleepy. Like if I have a big piece of, you know, what beef or whatever, I am so sleepy. I guess my body really, you know, has to work on digesting those higher protein things. If I eat beans though, I feel fine. I am looking into beans more. I bought like a big case of chickpeas. You know, I did try um, some of your more recent podcasts. You're talking a lot about making hummus. So I did try to make a little hummus one day. I did okay. Uh, I got to try a few different, maybe less measuring and more from the heart with, with what I put in there. That's what I do. People are like, can I have your hummus recipe? And I'm like, no, I do not have one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how I make it, but yeah. I guess struggling, I think that's one thing I can think of. I don't really feel self-conscious anymore if I decide I'm not going to eat with people. I'll sit with them and have my sparkling water with, you know, and just, and be able to enjoy that. And I feel, I really internalized and now I'm understanding. I know what I'm going to feel like if I have something at, at a time where it's just not right for me. Sometimes I will indulge if it's a time that, you know, I want to enjoy that with my family and sometimes it's not worth it. It doesn't mean I don't want to spend time with people. But you always get to decide. Yes. And we can spend time, just like we talked before about alcohol. We can have just as much fun without alcohol just because everybody else is having it doesn't mean we have to. The same is true with food. And you can sit with any person you love and not eat with them. You know, sometimes people are like, yeah, but my dad, he's 80. He likes to have breakfast. I feel like I have to. I'm like, well, you can if you want to, but you really don't have to. It's time with your dad who's 80 that matters. Not that you're eating food because he's eating food. You know, anyway, that's a struggle that a lot of people have, feeling like they have to eat with people. And we don't. Even if it's like your aunt and she's 90 and she's made you her special cookies, she doesn't have to watch you eat the special cookie. That's right. I think I'm pretty pretty good with that. That was the really the major thing the, that I've noticed recently. And I need to start exercising. I need to do something. My kids are all going to be gone for college this fall. So I need to find something that I like to do. So I'm working on that. It's such a transition. Driving away from the college and crying and realizing, oh my gosh, everything is different now, but they'll be back. They'll be back. Yeah. So I'm grappling with a lot of these changes that are coming up. So I I will never replace having my children at home with me, but you know, maybe I need to uh, find a new outlet for something fun to do. So you'll find it. You will. These are exciting days, young adulthood. You know, your daughter's already been at college, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. So you're, yeah. So you know what that's like, but. Well, she's two hours away. So that is not quite as bad. The twins are going out of state, but at least they'll be together. So that is good. Are they the same gender? They're identical boys. Yep. I think they're mere, what they call mirror twins, where one is like more dominant on one side than the, and the other one's dominant on the other. That's so fascinating. But yeah, they're really really special boys. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they're going to be together. I know that that's, that's exciting. That was such a relief when they decided to go to the same college. I thought, oh, at least mom knows that they're, they have each other. They always have a friend. They have each other's back, <laughs> literally. <Yes. laughs> so I wonder if the one that was like the more dominant twin was the one that was in front during that first ultrasound. Well, I'll never know. Probably he was a little bit bigger at birth. So just a tiny bit. But yeah, that was the craziest ultrasound appointment I think I've ever had for anything. (laughs) I can only imagine. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, I'm glad that I really 
took what advice that you and and the other members of the different groups that I was part of through the fasting, through intermittent fasting, suggested based really on your advice, but taking measurements and doing the pictures and, you know, being flexible, I guess, to a point so that it was not so restrictive. So if one day your window is going to be five hours instead of four hours, that's okay. You can just get back on and it doesn't have to be five hours to the second. It can have a little bit of flexibility because in the beginning, maybe I was a little bit more, I don't want to say militant, but I was a little bit more like, no, I have to do the things a certain way, rigid. So over time, I I found that it has to be flexible. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get that mindset of, well, I don't want to do it. That's really good advice. Yeah. And also, I think just give it time. Things do not change overnight and just give it time. I went into this note just saying, well, what do I have to lose? And so I thought, I'll just see how it goes. And I gave it some time and I didn't really give up. You know, the scale, I was fortunate the scale always pretty much went down in the beginning, but I have a lot of close friends who have talked to me about it and the scale is either not moving or it's not going in the right direction. And I said, I just really kind of go back to what you say. And it's not always about the number. So now that I'm in maintenance, I'm learning that more and more, it's not always about the number, it's how you feel and how you're doing in your clothes and as a guide, you know, where you're at. So, so that's another thing I would say and never say never, you know, I never thought I would say, well, I'm not going to, I'm not really interested in drinking wine or I'm not interested in having a drink at all, really. Or I never thought I was going to be the person that cooked mushrooms and spinach and for a meal, (laughs) but that would be my advice. And be patient with yourself and give yourself time, like you said, because sometimes people are new to intermittent fasting and they're like, well, why am I not having all these changes? I'm like, because you just started two months ago. You got to be, you know, give yourself time. Maybe in a year, two years, three years, you're not going to recognize yourself, but you've got to give it time. And I think that's the best advice of all. Well, Marie, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story on your third fast anniversary. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I have missed these Friday night dinners. Mm. Hey, welcome to Harvey Gras. At these family dinners, Delicious, everyone. dysfunction is served. <laughs> I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we embarrass you? Jump, jump, jump. It's already better than I dared to dream. 
They're extra. Let the wild rumpus start! And they're embarrassing. We know how hard it is to move on from the first girl that you ever slept with. Not the first girl who I ever slept with. Yeah, 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 right. You're a regular lady killer. I thought you said it was going to be boring here tonight. No! I really hoped it would be. But they couldn't love each other more. It's mom and dad being totally normal. Wow. So, dinner next Friday, everyone? Wouldn't miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1. Stream free only on Freebie.